Welcome back to another round of The Raven Narratives. I'm Sarah Severson. And I'm Tom Yoder. We are the co-producers of The Raven Narratives. If you didn't know that already. Yeah, right. Like, you should know that by now, right? We've <laughs> been doing this for over a year. That's right. And it's a whole new season. <laughs> got a it's brand 2017. New season. It's exciting. And we got a whole bunch of new podcasts to roll out for you this year. It's going to be amazing. And uh, we have a really cool event actually coming up uh, next week yeah. that we're working on with students from Southwest Open School. It's incredible. It's called Dragon Tales. It's a Raven Narratives storytelling event. And it's um, students from Southwest Open School um, and also a couple of teachers and admin folks um, that are telling their stories Friday, April 7th at 730 at the Sunflower Theater. And then get tickets. Sunflowertheater.org is where you can get tickets. And that's right here in downtown Cortez, Colorado. Powerful stories, potent stories, incredible. We've stories. been working with these students for a couple weeks now. Mm-hmm. And um, boy, yeah, it's really been sticking with me. I go home at night and think about these kids that yeah. are telling these stories. It's just really amazing stuff. Yeah, they've lived several lives in their young lives, I think. Yes, so. absolutely. And I think you made a really good point to me the other day when you said, their resilience is amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You want a lesson in resilience or a great story in resilience, I should say. Yeah. Check, out, check the, out Yeah. Check it out. I want to thank the teachers at Southwest Open School, especially Nate Osgood, mm. who uh, is a former Raven narrative storyteller. Woo! Shout out to Nate. Good job, Nate. And you can hear his story if you go check out our podcasts on our website at ravennarratives.org or on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. Check out his story. It's pretty awesome. We also want to thank the good people at Think360 Arts for Learning for supporting this amazing project featuring the voices of youth in our community. Well, and we got a great storyteller coming up next, Karen Steiner. A little bit about Karen. She's been in Durango, Colorado for almost 20 years. And after selling her business of over 10 years, she's currently enjoying some well-deserved time off. She enjoys all things Durango, which includes some things like skiing, mountain biking, and cruising the river trail with her family. Here's Karen's story. And I should add that she told her story in March when the theme was trust. Yeah, trust. Okay, trust. Now, now here. Now you can listen to it, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. When you prepare for childbirth, you envision yourself holding your new baby and basking in the joy. This is not what our son's birth looked like. Labor began around midnight at our 2nd Avenue Durango home on a very cool fall night. My husband Steve and I arrived at Mercy Hospital at 3 a.m. Our room felt warm and cozy and comfortable It felt like the right place to be. When we arrived, our midwives were ready for us, and so was my friend Cheryl, who was there for extra support. At 5 a.m., a stern, sterile doctor walked into our room. This was a red flag as we were using midwives. I could tell my husband was concerned. As the room became a little more crowded and it became a little more serious, that doctor looked at me and she said, you better have this baby right now. 
My friend Cheryl, she looked at me and she said, you got this, let's have this baby. And so I did. At 524, I delivered Henry, our son. I was instantly relieved. The long-anticipated childbirth was over. My husband did not feel the same way. He was concerned. They then whisked our son out of the room. I still felt okay, and I trusted. We were then informed that our son had aspirated meconium. meconium. He breathed his own poop into his lungs. My son could not breathe on his own. He was attached to a respirator and given oxygen. My son was sick. We then learned that we were being airlifted by Flight for Life to Children's Hospital in Denver. We were told that only one of us could fly and we could only bring one bag. So we decided I would go. And my husband would make the incredible solo journey to Denver. We sat in our room all day. The dark, middle of the night light of our room turned to dawn brightness, which turned into the dim light of the afternoon. Hours were passing. We had not met our son. We had not seen him. We had not held him. My trust was waning, and my husband was falling apart. And then, out of nowhere, a large, heavyset woman, woman walked into the room from the chapel. This woman came in, and she told us, your son is not going to make it. I will never forget that moment. All the air left the room. It turned dark and it turned cold. My husband and I couldn't even talk to each other. We just held each other. And then, in that same moment, a team of nurses ran in the room and told us, this is not the case. I don't know who that woman was from the chapel, and I don't know why she would ever tell scared parents this information, but she did. So I had to find my trust again. 
and I tried to share that trust with my husband to no avail. At 4 p.m., 11 hours after delivery, I grabbed my one bag and we made the walk down the hallway to see our son ready for flight. He was attached to tubes and a ventilator and a respirator and monitors and oxygen. I still could not see his face. My husband and I had to say our goodbyes after quite a day. So we hugged, not really having words for each other. I followed the confident, competent crew of Flight for Life nurses to the ambulance, sat in the front seat, and made our way out of Mercy Hospital. As we made the right-hand turn to the airport, out of my rearview mirror, I could see my husband going straight in our car toward Denver. We made our way to the airport, loaded the plane, trying to catch glimpses of my son. I sat in the right rear of the plane, and as we took off, for the first time that day, I wept. And as I looked out the window at the brightness of the Colorado fall colors blanketing our mountains, it gave me incredible comfort. It felt like home. And after a very short flight to Denver, we landed. I didn't know where we were. I didn't know what to do. So I followed the crew into another ambulance. That ambulance ride was the scariest ambulance ride of my life. We went what felt like 100 miles an hour on the left-hand shoulder of four-lane Denver rush hour traffic, full sirens blaring. I just closed my eyes. We arrived at the enormous campus of Children's Hospital. The crew unloaded and once again whisked my son away. I stood there with my one bag, not knowing where I was or what to do. So I walked in and I asked, where's the NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit? I walked down miles of hallways to the elevator, then to an escalator and found the NICU. And through the clear glass security doors, I could see my brother, my sister, and my brother-in-law. 
My brother got me a room to rest. My sister had a bag of clothes for me. And my brother-in-law offered endless hugs. I finally rested in my room. Through my window, across the courtyard, I could see Henry's room. It was a very busy room full of staff attending to my son. I then had to find some more courage to walk over to that room and get an update. So I did. The doctors were very calm. The mood was very calm. The doctors reassured me, my husband, excuse me, my son was going to be okay. I immediately called my husband and shared what was the greatest news of our lives. The next day, we met Henry, and we held him all day. Henry made a speedy recover, recovery in only one week. And in one week, we got to make our way out of that hospital as a family, basking in our new joy of our new baby. Our son's childbirth was not perfect, but our son is. Thank you. Thank you, Karen, so much for sharing your story with us. If you want to pitch your story for the next Raven Narratives or hear more about it on our website, you can go to ravennarratives.org. You can also find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. That's where our podcast is found. And subscribe and leave your comments there. And also, don't forget to share these stories with your friends. You know they'll love them. They will love them. Check out the photo gallery at the website, too, at ravennarratives.org. We have some great black and white portraiture that McCarson Jones of Red Scarf Shots Photography has done for us. They are incredible portraits. Beautiful. Beautiful. You can check out more of her work at redscarfshots.com. The Raven Narratives is a production of KSJD Community Radio in Cortez, Colorado. Find out more at ksjd.org.